Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. This is Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we bring you three or four interesting topics in the news, something fun about the library, and get you on your way in about 15 to 20 minutes each day. Today, I have James Paul from West, Re West Cluster, West Regional Library. What is yes. the exact title out there? Uh, Acting Central Cluster Regional Manager. And you do West Regional also on top of that. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a few hats these days. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not enough to just have you do one regional library. We're going to have you do like seven clusters, seven branches in a cluster too. So, but yeah, James is one of those people who's out there um, being in administration for the library system. So it's always good to take, take a few minutes away from your busy schedule for us. Thank you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Bob. Um, let's throw up our topics here because we've got some fun ones today. Well, I like to think they're always fun, but these are really interesting ones to deal with. Um, NASA picked the next time we're going to the moon, sort of, kind of. <laughs> um, so, uh, as we've talked about on the show, Artemis is going to the moon and they now have actual dates for when they're going to launch their first unmanned mission. You remember a few months ago we on the show we talked about the mannequins that are going to be part of this thing. What do you think, James? Are you ready for to go back to space? I am totally ready. I'm, I'm hearing these rumors about China being on the dark side of the moon, and yep, the U.S. has to be up there as yeah. well. Yeah, it's going to be a great thing. So the very first time is actually going to be on the 29th. Um, let me. Scroll down. They've got it in a nice little uh, chart for us here. Do, 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 all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. What rehearsal went fine? Everything. Man, some of these articles, this is why we always give you these articles and we give you a full thing for it there um, to put you into the links. But it is going to be on the 29th, August 29th, September 2nd, and September 5th are the two backup dates. And I've mentioned that because we'll talk about it. If they actually launch, we'll talk about it. It's going to be gone for like 10 days. So it's going to be, um, a min I'm sorry, a minimum of 10 days if there's a problem and they're expecting it to be a 42-day mission where they're going to just go out and orbit the moon several uh, hundred times or whatever it is and then come back and splash down. Um, the cool thing, James, about this, we have a NASA engineer as part of the Artemis project that's going to speak with the library doing a Facebook Live event on August 22nd. That is awesome. Yeah. So we I we had a chance to try and guess when he could come, and I guessed almost right, only a week ahead of time. So it's going to be pretty cool to see this happen. So we'll make a big deal about that as it gets closer. Um. But you brought a really fun article today on AI language skills. Everybody's been seeing all the stuff about AI and artificial intelligence in the news over the last couple of weeks. Tell us about this one here. What have you been looking at for AI? Um, mainly the, I guess, the, the transparency of it, the, the, um, how it, it has so much promise, but a lot of it is occurring in black boxes in yeah. corporations that um, aren't really 
defining what what biases are involved, how how it works, how it's being used, um, and and just um, to to be aware of of the potential that you're online and you're reading text that wasn't created by a person. You're you're interacting with a machine rather than a person. You know, uh, anyone who's chat. doing any of those chatbots, you know, when you're when you're there typing away and you you think that you might be typing with customer service and you think, man, these people are slow. They're overseas. They don't know English very well. It just might very well be an AI trying to figure out what you're trying to ask. Absolutely. It's it's um, moving into the reality of the Turing test. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. And I think the, and and this article talks a little bit about how. They're good at certain particular things, but they can't make interpretations. Uh, one of them, a, a health one, they asked about, was it safe to walk up the stairs on my hands? Which obviously not very safe. Any normal person is going to say, well, wait, you know, what kind of, unless you're an acrobat, it's not safe. But they were like, as long as you wash your hands, you'll be okay. And it's like, no, that's not quite how it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, they lack Just, a little common sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's, and part of that too is figuring out what your level of comfortability with that is. What what's your failure rate with AI? Because most of the people I talk with feel like it should just be perfect, whereas they're willing to give humans a little bit more of a of an forgiving edge. Like, okay, yeah, you only need to be right X amount of times or whatever. Which is, I actually found um, an interesting article um, out there on exactly that, which is about using AI to choose wine. Because who doesn't like a good wine story, right? Um, so they trained AI, and this is actually not about AI itself, but about how AI is powered. So this gets a little dense into the weeds sometimes. But in general, what happened is they taught uh, on X amount of number of wines, what the characteristics were, pick which kind. Then they took another set of wines and put it in there and just told it, tell us what these wines are instead of it telling the AI. And it got it right 95.3% of the time. Wow. That is incredible. I, yeah. I can't imagine that the taste sensors on a machine would have that, that ability. Exactly, yeah. Not only the taste sensors, but then the AI to figure out what it's tasting and how to do it. You know, I mean, and that is not as good as a human sommelier. You know, that, you know, when you go into a wine store or you're at a good restaurant, they're going to know exactly what, the, what kind of wine you're tasting. So, but do you think 95% is good enough? It would be good enough for me. I, but then again, I'm, I'm more of a beer drinker. <laughs> Do you think the ninety-five percent for AI is good enough? In what uh, what what topics would you be comfortable with saying it's it ninety-five percent is good enough versus not? Right. Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. I mean, in medicine, it's obviously not good enough. You wouldn't want to lose five percent or or misdiagnose or misprescribe five yeah. percent of the patients. But in the arts. Um, you know, maybe if if it's uh, entertaining to ninety five percent of the people, that's a pretty good percentage. 
that's a pretty good percentage. You're right. Yeah. And that leads us into our final uh, articles today, um, which the whole idea of data science versus decision science. Right. What do you think librarians are more part of on this? Um, they probably lean more towards the decision science. I mean, the librarians have um, degrees in information science, which is essentially the same thing as decision science. You're you're determining how to use information, how to find it, how to organize it. Um, the data science is more based in statistics, um, which is which is interesting in its own right. I mean, now that um, now that I don't have to pass a math test every week or two. Uh, math is pretty interesting, um, and more and more, it's what drives our our technology. So, um, you know, the the statistics of it, it's it's basically all part of the artificial intelligence, the the deep learning, um, all of it. It it in some ways, it's it, it, the layman really doesn't know the the difference between all of these these terms. Um, but in general, um, you know, you need to sort through a massive amount of information and yeah. you know, there, there's a science to it. Right. And, and those, those data scientists are the ones who are supposed to be making sure that your data is free of bias and make, being able to figure out what, you know, here are just clear facts and these are things that are provable, et cetera. Whereas if you're a decision scientist, you're the one who's trying to say, okay, which pieces of these, which facts am I going to use? Not in a bad way. It's which facts apply to my case. Like it doesn't really matter if you're designing a highway in South Florida that, you know, pine trees do better on the south side of the road because we're not going to have pine trees in South Florida. They're not native. We're not supposed to be using them. So that's what a decision scientist does is goes out and makes those decisions. And this is the type of data we're going to bring in to use to apply to our problem that we have here. And I think you're right. I think that's, you know, librarians as a whole are, are pretty good at trying to figure out, you know, here we're, if you just do a quick search on Google, you'll quickly be overwhelmed. That's why you come to the library and get some expert help. I'm narrowing that down from 10,000 searches to at least a couple dozen for you. Absolutely. And there's tons of good training resources available on getting into the weeds of this, as you say, going into yeah. the LinkedIn learning. You, you can spend hours going through these on-demand um, trainings that that really um, get yeah, yeah, yeah. about what this all means. I, 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 I've done like 40 hours worth of training on one database once. It's just insane sometimes. And then we have an article to give you a, a good example of what this actually is in the real world. Um, number one, we've got an article here on why do we sleep? Simple, straightforward. You may have noticed I like articles about sleep. I've done like Five or six of these over the last year because I'm always trying to pay attention to my sleep. Sleep better. You need more sleep. Everybody needs more sleep. Um, but so they talk about uh, two studies in this article here. It's really straightforward. It's on Science Tech Daily. This is one of the 
websites that I use to, to find good stories that everybody can understand as a layman, as you mentioned. They did a study with mice. Do you run mice through a maze, let them sleep? The next time after they sleep, they go through the maze better than they do if you don't let them sleep. And there's this really cool thing going on where they've got this study. Um, and it's, let me make sure I've got, yeah, BrainGate is the actual uh, name of the device. They implant electrodes into a person's skull. And this is for someone who is a, a quadriplegic. He has no access to um, motor limb movement of, at, at all. Um, and so he, all he can do is basically think. And so what he does is he uses the computer to think and do things. He was playing a game, uh, Simon. Uh, it's an old light-up game. If any, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, you and I are old enough yeah. to remember this thing. I yeah. hope somebody else out there in the audience is so young they don't know what I'm talking about. Go look it up. It's a quick memory game lighting up, bing, bing, bing. When he played this game and then he went to sleep, his brain replayed the game again and again and again and again until his brain felt he knew it well enough and then shut off and went to sleep. Right. So it's how you store your memories, how you do all these things. It's really a nice, fun article, easy to understand. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Dream. We yeah. all dream. I, I listened to an audio book recently, When Brains Dream, and the same kind of information, how we're practicing things at night and reorganizing them and thinking about them in disorganized ways, but then that allows us to come up with unique interpretations and solutions. Yeah, and it's great. And and to your to our earlier point on this, this article here is very much like the librarian doing your decision science for you because here it's finding something, explaining it, making it crystal clear. Here, just so you know, the Journal of Neuroscience is the original article the original study that that article is based on, it has 12 different authors. <laughs> this thing just goes for pages and pages and pages. And it just goes. Oh, I didn't even try. I read the first, I, I, read, I read the synopsis at the very beginning part of the abstract. And then it starts getting into, I mean, I don't even understand I mean, like, oh, by the way, this is what a picture of the Simon game looks like for everybody, just in case. But I'm like, I don't even understand, like, some of their descriptions of how the EEG, LE, intercortical, intercortical EEG versus an EEG versus a sync routine. And it just starts like, okay, no. <laughs> this is why we have experts. This is why the data scientists are working on this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's advanced a little bit since uh, since Freud's um, initial books about it. And this is what all that data science is all about and goes and goes and goes. So back here as we're talking about this, as you're looking for this and as you're, you're being your own self and trying to do your own research and looking out there for all these things, pay attention to those two concepts for yourself. 
are you looking at data or are you looking at decisions? It's a key mm -hmm. problem out there for it. How much sleep do you get there, James? I do not get enough sleep. <laughs> I get as much as I possibly can. I, I try very hard to get my at least seven to eight hours every night. I try, you know, do my do my planning, turn off light. I've got a thing on my phone where it shuts it off to grayscale so you don't get tempted to use it or anything like that after a certain time. Yeah, yeah. I put on the white noise at night, a fan, a, oh, good. a filter to help keep the, the street noises away. Nice, nice, nice. And try to turn that AC down to a nice comfortable temperature. Oh, what's the argument of about AC in your household? Uh, what's the temperature? No, no argument. Seventy-one. Would die. Really? No, we our argument is what I wanted at seventy-six, and she wants it at like 75, 74. So yeah, no, wow. I. Oh, I would never. Yeah. That's too. I know that's people too outside of South Florida are saying, "Why do you need it to be seventy-one? Why have your AC on that low?" But it, floors. The whole world is experiencing heat wave right now, but Florida's in a traditionally, we normally at night is, it drops into the 75 and that's the lowest it ever gets. Right. Except for our brief winters of January, the two weeks in January that I want to go somewhere else. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, James. It was a great thing. What's going on out at West Regional for everybody? Thank you, Bob. Um, Let's see what's going on at West Regional. We've got some SAT trainings coming up, SAT classes. Uh, we've got all sorts of summer learning program events. Um, did not come prepared with the exact dates and times, but it's you've, all on the BCL. Yeah, you've got, we, did, we talked about it at the beginning. You've got how many different libraries you're trying to take care of? Yeah, no. I'm going to be back out there doing the uh, virtual reality uh, out there on uh, Friday. The augmented reality. We're doing the augmented reality out there on Friday again. Awesome. I think. And I know you were here with that. And we just did the submarine last weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun out there at West Regional. It's it's a very fun building out there, people. Out in Plantation, out part of Government Center West. It's a great thing if you're in South Florida. Come visit us all. Let's seven days a week. Seth, yeah. We are getting back to everything, aren't we? It's gonna be great. Thank you again for that. As always, if anyone has a favorite librarian or library you'd like to see featured on a week, email me, creationstation at broward.org. We'll see everybody next week. Stay safe.